happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine, how you doing? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate two feet for wiener. But listen, Libertius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. And just like that, we are into the second hour. Thanks again to Sam, the cooking guy, for joining me last segment, talking a little bit about the deep-fried, in-oil tomahawk steak that is on his YouTube channel right now. I believe it's the second most recent, the elote, or street corn, is the most recent. He did hot Cheeto elote. But he was, I, I don't know if he just forgot. Looked like he was trapped back in that bathroom again. Not in his normal Emmy-laden studio. <laughs> John Dawson weighing in on the instant chat. Remps, rando question. What happened to Scott Roberts? Uh-oh. I've been asking that question for a year now. Actually... When we did the first round of the Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame, as you might recall, John, I put Scott Roberts in as a recurring guest. He was once a month the official Barbecue Central Show sauce and rub reviewer, and he did a very solid, thorough job of doing, typically it was two rubs and a sauce, sometimes it was the other way around. But did a write-up and had where you could buy it and how much weight was in each particular jar. He would, When we really got the video honed in, he would hold up a bottle so you could see what it was. And he would give you tasting notes. Then we actually came up with our own rating system. And he would give it a backyard barbecuer or an oven baker was like the worst. And Grand Champion, obviously, was the highest rating reserve. Grand would be your second highest. But... A lot of them rated out somewhere in the middle, maybe a little bit better than average, but we had our stinkers as well. And he did it for years and years. He was obviously also our go-to expert in the world of fiery foods because that's really more where Scott's name was made was in the fiery food section. And he had uh, quite the palate that could take plenty of heat. And then I was lining him up for a segment, and he said, hey, I got to put this off. And then, all of a sudden, he sent me an email and said, not only can I not reschedule, I'm not going to do the show anymore. And I was like, well, what happened? So quickly, I'm going through the mental Rolodex and trying to figure out, what did I do to offend Scott? I know I had to do it. So it's always me. I'm Relationships in me span as long as it takes for me to figure out knowingly or unknowingly, how I'm going to offend you to the point where you don't want to be my friend anymore. It just happens all the time. It just 
some of my friendships have been longer because I haven't found that line. And I don't go seeking it on purpose, but inevitably I cross it and I offend. Ask our good friend Diane Me. Remember Diane? Loyal Centralite for years. Then we institutionalized horse meat in 2017, 2018, 2019, and she put a self-imposed ban on the show. She's like, as long as you do horse meat, I'm out of the show. So I, that's just how my relationships work. I will offend you at some point, and you will not be my friend anymore. Luckily, through a lot of talking, I've come to grips with that and said, hey, I will just enjoy the friendships as long as they remain, and then when I unknowingly offend you, and you stop being, I will have looked back on that time as being a quality portion of my life. And I will hopefully find a new friend who I can hang out with until I offend them. And it's worked out for 44 years, almost 45 years. Anyway, back to Scott Roberts. So I started putting out feelers and I, he used to appear on some other shows and uh, I was getting a lot of the same Scott's not doing my show anymore. No reason. Just said he was stepping out of it. He got away from all of the hot food stuff as well as the fiery food stuff. And then I started really doing some research on his social media and it to me, and I have no way of getting a hundred percent proof unless it was with having Scott on the show for me to interview him and, and ask him. But from what I can ascertain through social media posts, one day or one week or one month, he was Scott Roberts' ex-way, and then a day transpired and he became Scott Roberts' devout religious guy. All like Bible thump, Jesus, the whole nine yards, the quoting scripture, and it took over his entire social media platforms and a lot of preaching. So it's something changed with him religiously. And whatever that re- religious is, uh, some Christian base, I don't know if it was Catholic or whatever, born again maybe, who knows. The, the religion and the show were not to mix. So that's why he is no longer on the show. It's not because I don't want him on the show. I thought he was a great asset. He was very professional. He brought a lot of great insight and personal opinion. He was not afraid to say, hey, this to me, this sauce blows. Hey, to me, this sauce is really good, and you should go buy it. And that's what the whole purpose of it. There were so many sauces and rubs out at that point that if you had some discretionary funds that you wanted to throw around and try, you don't want to waste your money on some crap. And if you could get some, somebody that you trusted, like we did with Scott, who could give you at least an informed opinion, plus we knew what his palate was like, you would be able to say, well, that's something I really might want to try. You weren't just shooting in the dark. But he's gone away, and now he's not re-showing back up or what have you. So uh, John Long-Winded Way of me giving you the background on what has happened to Scott Roberts. Uh, What has happened is he has become more religious than I ever knew he was. And that has taken over and usurped the Barbecue Central show appearances. Still to come on this show tonight via the Fogo Charcoal Hotline is Lee and Michael Quisenberry, or as I like to call him, Mark Quisenberry. 
Lee and Michael will be joining me. We'll be talking about Jim Quisenberry Barbecue. Also, closing out the show, uh, I will be joined by Jonathan Bird from Dreamland Barbecue. So stay tuned for those interviews here in just a couple minutes. Don't forget to follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram and Twitter slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook. Episode 75 is coming up this Friday on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show, and we journey back to 2013 of June, the first time that we ever smoke with Big Mo Kason, one of the most recognizable figures in live fire today. You can hear what it sounded like when we first chopped it up on the show. Some good competition talk, of course, and really great brisket tips from back in 2013. So take a listen to that when it shows up in the podcast feed on Friday, and you will be able to see what has held over that six-year period and what you're like, man, I would never do that to my brisket at this point. All right, let's go ahead and... Get caught up before we get to Lee and Mar- uh, Lee and Michael. See, I made a joke, and now I'm going to call him Mark. Sorry, Mark. Let me call you Mark now, so I trick myself into calling you Michael. Southside Market and Barbecue. Attention, folks in the business of barbecue. Established in 1882. Southside Market and Barbecue, the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. Owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Offering premium Central Texas barbecue products. Slow smoked over real wood, shipping, distributing, manufacturing sausages for companies across the U.S. From food trucks to multi-chain restaurants, Southside Sausage can be on your menu too. All meats processed in our on-site USDA inspected facility. A trusted partner with a focus on quality and authenticity. Wholesale options available. Shipping nationwide via FedEx or through food service distribution like Cisco, U.S. Foods, or Martin Foods. Co-packaging capable from research and development to package completion. They can also follow your recipe or help you develop something brand new from scratch. Private label opportunities also available. Visit southsidemarket.com for more information. You can get 10% off all of your online ordering at southsidemarket.com when you use code BBQ Central. One word, lowercase, BBQ Central. 10% off your entire online order. And that's not just good for the first time. It's good for each and every time you go to southsidemarket.com. Again, 10% off with code BBQ Central at checkout. Lee and Michael Quisenberry coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, this portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. Are you signed up for the Smokin' with Smithfield National Barbecue Championship? 
Registration is free. Sign up today. Hit smokingwithsmithfield.com for all the details. Also, if you're ready to find out where you rank against all the competitive barbecue teams across the country, you visit the same website, smokingwithsmithfield.com, to check out your rank on the Smoking with Smithfield National Barbecue Championship. My guests in the second hour are here to share a barbecue tale that you may or may not be familiar with. Where does barbecue... uh, uh, where does barbecue of all forms and fashions come from, and who are those characters that color the stories and events back in the day? Are you familiar with the name Jim Quisenberry? If the answer is no, then we'll fix that right now. Let's go ahead and race to the Fogo Charcoal Hotline and welcome in Lee and Michael Quisenberry. Gents, thanks for taking the time out to join this evening. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks for having us. Yep, no doubt about it. So uh, we have you two here, but let's first start with a look back as uh, as it all started. So for the folks that aren't familiar with Jim Quisenberry, and uh, as I had mentioned over the last couple of weeks, as I had got my hand on that short list, looking at the nine potential Hall of Famers uh, that would end up being the three Hall of Famers uh, that just got in Wednesday. I didn't know a couple names. Jim Quisenberry was one of those. And then I did some research on the internet and found out that there was some competing going on in the early 80s. There uh, was a barbecue sauce. There were some titles to be had. But being the sons of Jim, and we can uh, start with Lee or Michael or whoever wants to start, a little background about your dad and, I guess, his interest in live fire cooking in general. Hey, um, we got a little bit of a thunderstorm going on here, so great. If we have some crashes and some bangs, it's uh, it's it's par for the course. No problem. That's right. Uh, I'm Lee, and my my brother to my right is Michael. I'm the oldest of the two, and um, we grew up in Cherry Valley, Arkansas, uh, about an hour west of Memphis. And um, and when we weren't farming, we spent our uh, spring. most of the time either at Silky O'Sullivan's or in Tom Lee Park at Memphis and May. And that was way back before it got huge. As a matter of fact, my brother and I both um, would play flag football with other kids from other teams. That's how small Memphis and May was at the time, which is insane what it's grown to be now. Well, I remember hearing or, or when I was doing some reading that at one point Memphis and May took place under one tent. Is that real? Uh, as far as I know, that's what I've heard. It was in the Orpheum Theater parking lot, um, and Dad cooked in the second, from the second through the sixteenth hmm. annual uh, competition. Uh, the first year was yeah, literally under one tent. First several years, I think. So was your dad somebody that grew up around live fire as well, just because of uh, the re- the region that you guys are from, or how how did he get involved in it? Uh, as a as a child, um, my my great grandparents and my and my grandparents um, they had an Angus farm in a little town called Birdeye, Arkansas, and all the farm hands and people would gather around like a big community, and they would dig a pit and roast a pig or whatever. And my and my grandmother and then my dad too when he was growing up would go down there and just learn uh, how to cook, all that kind of stuff. And so he basically learned from uh, childhood, from basic, just seeing and doing. Uh, and then later on, he 
really started to refine his skills in the kitchen um, with my grandmother and you know, probably lots of aunts and uncles that shared recipes as well. Michael, when you look back and kind of remember your dad, do you remember him being a, a grill master and cooking outside a lot? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, since I was old enough to stand, I'd, I would stand on a chair beside the stove and help him uh, make his barbecue sauce or whatever it was that we were cooking, you know. And uh, we we grew up on uh, cooking on the Weber kettles. Um, Weber sponsored that at one time, and I'm a big fan of Weber's. And so, yeah, uh, you know, um, I guess I didn't really... At the time, I didn't think about it, about, like, you know, dad winning a championship or anything like that. It was just more uh, a dad bonding with his son and cooking, you know. Um, uh, do you think that you guys picked up, uh, or do you guys have a, an active interest in cooking yourselves, or is this more of a, or, or the way that com is set up right now, is that just more of a, a business venture to carry on a legacy? Um, both. Um, yeah, I've... You know, both of us went into the computer science field. We're both programmers at a local lumber company here in town in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Um, but we we both have a passion in cooking as well as a passion in the business of, you know, uh, sharing stories about our dad and continuing on our barbecue legacy. Uh, Lee, when you... When we talk about like business of barbecue and uh, when Michael mentioned about your dad making sauce and stuff, uh, that's obviously something that's for sale on the website. That's jimquisenberry.com. Is that a recipe that he was using in competitions that he was entering and winning or just something that was like a, a guarded secret that you're now revealing to the general public? Uh, it, it's been a long time tradition. That sauce actually won in the Kansas City, what was the name of the competition? It's the same one we just recently won third place for our mustard-based uh, sauce in the, I believe it's World Championship of Barbecue. Is that like the American uh, Royal or something like that? Yeah, yeah, the best sauce on the planet, I think is what it's called now, but Artie Davis, uh, we found an article where Dad's does the original sauce that, we, that started it all um, actually won the top prize in a Mid-South category in 1989. So it, it's been around for quite some time. Um, we've been fortunate to basically uncover the Rosetta Stone. My dad's handwriting was terrible. But he and my brother had like this like handwritten codex of things written on the back of some cardboard that I didn't understand. They, they teamed up on me. I was the, the older brother. So Dad and Dad and Michael teamed up on me uh, quite a bit, um, and they used to tell me I was adopted. Like, like that is a real thing. Yeah, this I mean, you guys, beer, you guys hardly beer. look anything alike. I mean, you had to be adopted. Right. Jeez, yeah, the, the the website came about um, as a school project. Actually, when we were still in college, um, its first iteration, uh, we were tasked with building a. Um, Soft, it was for software engineering. We were tasked with building a, a business software. And so Michael and I actually built the website as a two-semester-long project. And it's obviously it's been upgraded and changed over the, over the years. That's, that's been almost 10 years ago. Yep. Um, but, yeah, that, the business is it's like a hobby slash 
sounding board for technology when we want to try out new things. And uh, dad was really into computers as well. Um, he never went to school formally for it, but you know, he got us involved in that. He knew that that was where the future was. It wasn't going to be in farming or competition barbecue. It was for, uh, for, for him, it was like, let me teach my kids something that's going to be valuable. And then, so we, we've fulfilled that. We've, we're both successful in our own right in our careers. And then we use, we do barbecue more lot more or less for fun. We'd like to grow it obviously like any aspiring entrepreneur would, but yeah, that's how, that's pretty much how it came to be. It was just Michael and I kind of did it out of necessity. We got some good grades and started selling sauce. We were already selling sauce to pay for beer money in college, <laughs> no labels on it. And so we were like, yeah, let's, let's make a real business out of it. So about the last five years, we've been pretty serious. Like we, you know, we got everything taken care of uh, in, in terms of forming an LLC and partnership and all that good stuff. And um, so, yeah, five years of uh, beer money turned into uh, something that I think, you know, we make a pretty little piece of a pretty little penny once in a while it's not a it's not gonna make me drive a lamborghini or anything anytime soon but no you know we can reach for the stars i guess Uh, michael from a flavor profile perspective can you paint a picture of how the sauce tastes and how it's best to use uh yeah sure um so we now have four sauce flavors um lee talked a little bit about our original sauce dad actually came up with it in a dream um this was like i was too young to remember this but he um was actually cooking briskets one night for friends and up like he had been up and down all night uh checking his fire and one of the times that he had laid down to sleep he had a dream about the barbecue sauce and got up and started making a batch in the kitchen and woke my mother up. She's like, what the hell are you doing? And uh, he's like, I had this dream about this barbecue sauce, and if I don't make it, (laughs) then I'm going to forget it. And so that's how the original recipe came to be. Um, It is, we'd like to call it like a a mix mash uh, between like a Kansas City a uh, little, little Memphis, but also a little uh, Carolina as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a nice balance between uh, a thin vinegar sauce and a like, uh, like a Kansas City, like a sh- sweeter sauce yep. as well. Um, but also with a little Memphis mixed in, um, we call it kind of an Arkansas thing. You know, I guess being in in that area, you're kind of like. It's the melting pot between all of the different barbecue areas. Um, but, yeah, it's it's more of a, a finishing sauce than it is a cooking sauce. Um, and that, so that's our original sauce. And from that, we uh, developed a hotter version. We've got a hot version of that. And then there are two newest recipes, uh, Lee and myself and our business partner, came up with um i was a big fan of big bob gibson's white sauce right and so we made our own white sauce um it you know the thing about white sauce is a lot of people are like white barbecue sauce and they either love it or hate it but um you know there's a lot of people that they like it 
And uh, our newest recipe is our mustard-based uh, gold sauce. It's kind of a South Carolina, Georgia take mm-hmm. on a barbecue sauce. Um, and that's the one that Lee was telling you about. We just won uh, third place in the mustard-based uh, sauce category of the American Royal. Uh Leave. No, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to jump in there for a second. So, um, oh, I, I was. Uh, we we had a little flicker on the lights there, and I didn't know <laughs> if my phone was actually still on. Oh yeah, no problem. So um, from uh, so you have the four sauces, and you're actively trying to get them into market and all that. So are you mostly attacking retail or mostly attacking online, or what's the the growth trajectory before we talk about the Hall of Fame part? Sure. Um, we mostly were regional uh, in grocery stores, retail. Um, obviously, we would like to expand our retail online um, just because for us, it's a little bit bigger margin. We're not having to split hairs with wholesale and all that stuff to our uh, vendors. Um, and uh, to, our go-to-market plan really is just to continue to serve our area where we can distribute. Um, Michael, me, Jeff, Aaron... Um, sometimes crystals, sometimes whoever's got a, a place in their car and lives closest to one of the grocery stores are, are literally the delivery people. Like we distribute to just about 25 stores, um, and we do it all ourselves. Um, we've got a few shortcuts here and a few little, uh, swap meat type, Hey, I'll trade you some sauce. If you can carry it down to little rock type thing going on with, a, with a few, um, milk trucks and <laughs> all, all kinds of stuff. We, we got this crazy network of people that were like, Hey, we're running low down in Little Rock. Michael and I aren't going to be able to make it. If we send three cases with you, can you go stock the uh, Little Rock store? And they're like, sure. Yeah. And I got, a, we've got a coworker that lives in a little town called Walnut Ridge. And she's been a blessing to make sure that our cell shelves are dusted off and that kind of stuff. So it, it's more than just the two of us. And it's a, it's really a lot of labor of love. We, we enjoy that part, but man, online would be a dream for us because um, Jeff, our partner, is based in Memphis. Um, that's where we warehouse everything. And over in Memphis, he's, you know, it's the FedEx hub is there, yeah. um, US Mail, and there's all kinds of stuff that goes in and out of there. So yeah. we luck out on shipping, and it's, it's really quite wonderful to see people come in through the website that we've never heard of before like i don't know that's not one of dad's friends cousins brother-in-laws or something you know it's not like somebody my mom knew or whatever uh it it, it that that's a lot of fun we we enjoy that and we're both cooking contests from time to time um you know michael and i think we realized realized early on that that's going to be something that we continue to do our first competition was in nashville tennessee this is a good story this will this is a good segue into the hall of fame um, our first competition was in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, in 1989. I was seven years old. Michael was five and we stayed in a hotel. It was close to Opryland, which is not there anymore. Um, we stayed in the hotel and my dad had bet me we were cooking a whole hog competition, but my brother and I had a team called the little ribbers mm. and we entered the ribs competition on a, on a custom sized Weber, it, was, it wasn't a Smoky Joe, 
it was a full size Weber with my dad had fabricated short legs for it mm. so that Michael and I could cook, cook on it. Right. We about, basically we just lit the fire and let it go. And then I think about 20 minutes before turn in time, we stole some of my dad's rib off of ribs off of his competition cooker and <laughs> stuck them on the grill, you know, turned them in. We got fifth place. Oh. Uh, we beat my dad. He got sixth place. <laughs> With the same and, because, <laughs> and, and keep in mind, this is a Memphis and May style contest, so we had to do like presentation oh, and wow. seat the judges. So yeah. I'm like seven years old, gifted gab, and I'm like telling them about this. Yeah, we killed our hog. We, we bought it from Mennonite farmers in Fayette County, Tennessee, and da-da-da-da-da, like just this long list of BS, you know. <laughs> Some of it's true. Fayette Packing Company is where we usually buy our meat, and I do believe that one of the owners there, one of the farmers, is a Mennonite, but, you know, we, we, we were talking about how the hog was fighting another hog to, to spare his life and all oh, of that. Oh, wow. You know, BS a mile long. That's how you do Memphis to May, man. You got to BS the judges and then show them a good time. But anyway, we, we, that was when we knew, like, we're always going to do competitions. We've done Jonesboro's downtown. It's the state championship of Arkansas. It's been a KCBS contest for almost 10 years, I think, nine, 10 years. Uh, we won first place overall in pulled pork um, in the inaugural contest. And then we got third in chicken last year. So, you know, we're not like a big team, but we can still get in there and mix it up and, and occasionally surprise ourselves. Most of the time when we win, we'd have no idea how we did it. Um, Cause Michael and I are always trying new things. We're always trying new recipes. Um, and so that's kind of where we got it was from my dad. I, half the cookbooks, man, half the cookbooks I read through them and I'm like, that's, that's bull crap. He didn't do that. Like, he made that up on the fly. Somebody asked him, Hey, how's a, you got a good rib rub or something. And he would just be like, yeah, I do this, this and this. And they'd write it down. And Michael and I can read through some of the cookbooks and know, you know, I don't think he ever did that or that, that one's close or, or whatever. So it's, it's really, it's, it's really quite fun. And that's, that's who you were dealing with back then. Michael, when you, uh, when you get the news that, Jim had been put on the short list of nine, so three of those nine were going to be going into the Hall of Fame. I mean, what kind of a reaction did you have to that, and, and did you think that there was a you know a pretty decent shot that he might get in? Well, you know, uh, it was a uh, we meet up. Sorry. Um. So, it I, I found out. Um, I went to Memphis in May this year. I always like to go and visit. Um, me and Artie Davis keep in touch. Um, and he he had let me know that he was going to be there this year judging. So I went over and, um, you know, I, I had a good Friday night just hanging out. And uh, then I met Artie on Saturday and he took me over to meet Tuffy Stone, and this was before uh, they had announced that, you know, Tuffy won overall. Mm -hmm. uh, Tuffy, I enjoyed your interview with him. Super nice guy, super humble. Um, and uh, Artie was like, hey, Tuffy, this is Michael Questenberry. This is Jim Questenberry's son. And he's like, I know exactly who he is, you know, because I look... Lee and I both look just like our dad. Yeah. 
But he was like, I know exactly who he is. I voted for him in the Hall of Fame. I, vo- I voted for Jim, Jim in the Hall of Fame. Wow. And at that point, I knew. I was like, wait, you voted for him? Because, you know, I knew that he had to have made finals to, to be voted for by, by Tuffy. I was like, so he, so he made the finals? He's like, yeah, he sure did. I voted for him. <laughs> and um, I didn't know the shortlist then, but I was just, like, blown away, you know. Um, I was like, oh, that's that's really cool. So I started uh, researching and Googling, and I saw your your bit where you were announcing that Meathead had also made it to the shortlist and I listened to your podcast, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. Dad made it. That's so cool, you know. Um, so I'm just... I'm just elated. I'm, you know, happy to be, be on the show. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we connected with each other. Do you think, like, what do you think his reaction would have been if he would be around? Is that something that would jazz him up, or is he more of a humble guy? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it would excite him. He, he definitely was a was a humble guy, but uh, he was also. Uh, I, I don't know if you've uh, read some of. Uh, the cookbooks and things that people have written about him. He was a uh, larger than life kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was a kind of guy that always liked to have fun. And, uh, you know, so I think, I think he would have been pretty excited about it, but humble as well. Um, he was, he, he did it cause he loved to cook. He loved to barbecue and he loved for people to have fun. He was a big prankster. You know, um, there's a there's actually a, an excerpt in America's Best Barbecue that Artie wrote about how when Dad was in Memphis in May, uh, they, their Porter John had one of those little vents that you could take off of it, and he put a bullfrog in there when when the women, when the women would go in to use the bathroom, and they would go running out uh screaming you know because there's a huge frog in there and uh the the story goes in in the book that there was one lady that was uh you know pretty southern lady and uh southern in the sense that she probably probably did some frog gigging in her time Uh and uh she did not scream and uh when she came out of there she said there was a bullfrog in there, and the poor little sucker uh, jumped to his demise. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, so um, yeah, that's the kind of guy he was, and uh, you know, uh, we, we're just trying to carry on uh, that kind of legacy and have fun cooking and have fun barbecuing. Um, if you get a chance. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but there's a video of me meeting uh, Big Mo uh, Kason. So his team put me up to, uh, they were like, hey man, you want to make 20 bucks? And I was like, that's kind of scary. I don't don't know. Uh, But let me hear you out. And uh, they said, all right, so here's what you got to do. We're going to let you meet Big Mo. And we're going to tell him you're his biggest fan. And when we hand him the Sharpie marker, we want you to raise your shirt over your head and try to get him to sign your chest. 
Oh, that worked out. <laughs> so I said, hey, man, keep your money. That's fine. I don't need the money. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> so I did it. It's on Facebook. Oh. Uh, it was. Uh, did he sign it? Or did we got to yeah, go well, watch and actually, see? He didn't sign my chest, but he signed my shirt. Got I don't it. Know if you yeah. Can see it. Nice. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. Uh, go check it out. Um, the, the guy, Chu, that was on his team, his name's Antonio Chu, um, he told me that Big Mo told him that was the highlight of Memphis in May this year for him. So, <laughs> Well, you did it. Uh, and we're talking with Lee and Michael Quisenberry. Uh, the website, by the way, jimquisenberry.com. You can buy all the sauces there. And, uh, guys, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes and getting uh, to let us know a little bit about your dad and uh, how he kind of came up through the barbecue ranks and things that he had done here. So we have a little bit better connection of uh, story to, you know, just a name being on a short list for the Barbecue Hall of Fame. And I uh, certainly appreciate you guys taking the time out tonight. Yeah. Right on. Well, hey. One quick thing. Um, yep. The website has, a if, if you want to hear more stories, we've got, four or five years worth of stories that I've written and my brother have written on our blog there that are, that are highly entertaining. Um, and you can get kind of a feel for, which I know there's a lot of jokes now, but you can get a real good feel for like how the eighties were in terms of like barbecue contests and, and how they, those guys were some clowns. It was a lot of fun. Um, and we, I wanted to just say thank you for, for having us on. You got it guys. I appreciate it so much. Hey, Greg. All right. One, one more thing, real quick. Yep. Um, I was just wanting to let. What do you mean? Um, I just wanted to let you guys know that uh, we have a giveaway on our website. Um, we're giving away um, a gift basket with our old labeling that our dad uh, created, and also a T-shirt. I don't have it up yet. I will have it up by the time the podcast comes. Uh, you know, gets gets posted. And that's going to be on the Facebook page. It'll be on our website, questionberry.com slash giveaway. Slash giveaway. All right, I'll go ahead and uh, drop that in the post-show notes as well. And uh, once again, it's Lee and Michael Quisenberry. Thanks so much, guys. Wonderful. Thank you for having us, Greg. You got it. There they are. The Brothers Quiz, letting us know about their dad, Jim. And, and it sounds like the 80s were insane competition. I think Ray Lampy has alluded to that in the past some of the other guys that I've had on this show. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like the 80s was a, a wild west, if you will. All right, we will be right back with Dreamland Barbecue. Jonathan Bird, I'll talk to you quickly about the barbecue guru. Believing that outdoor cooking should be easy and fun because it can be, especially with the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill. The Monolith is the world's first temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. This means smarter control, greater freedom with automatic temperature control. Easily choose your cooking time and temperature. Let the monolith do the work of a sous chef or a barbecue pit master. With minimal effort, you now have oven-like precision at the grill. You can serve the tastiest, juiciest meals each and every time. Visit the website bbqguru.com or call them with questions. 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. And we are back with Jonathan Bird right after this.
continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck. Because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. All right, as you are well aware, this past Wednesday, we announced the 2019 Barbecue Hall of Fame class. Some names you may have heard, others maybe not. If you are into barbecue in Alabama, specifically Tuscaloosa, then you know about Dreamland. The original founder, John Bishop, was inducted into the Hall of Fame last week and here to tell us, more about the man, the restaurant, the business is the director of marketing at Dreamland. Let's race to the Fogo Charcoal Hotline and welcome first-time guest to the show, Jonathan Bird. Jonathan, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? Can you hear me well? I can hear you just fine. Thanks so much for making the time and telling us a little bit about John and Dreamland and all that good stuff. So before we get into that, if you don't mind... Uh, maybe just a little bit of background on you, if it's uh, like food service, generally speaking, is something that you've been in industry-wise, or if you know this is a first foray into some type of live fire experience. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, again, thanks so much for uh, having me and having uh, Dreamland on. Yep. Um, so, uh, like you said, my name is Jonathan. Um, I started off working um, as a dishwasher uh, at a pizza restaurant um, back in college. Uh, obviously fell in love with the industry because I'm still here today. Um, you know, I spent 10 years with um, a franchisee that owned several uh, full-service pizza restaurants. Um, after college, I um, just kind of grew through management and eventually um, wound up spending um, the last five years of a 10-year stint with that company as their director of marketing. Uh, loved the role. Um, got the opportunity to um, hop on the Dreamland team, um, and that's where I have been for about the past year. So, um, you know, coming from a pizza restaurant, uh, I, I thought the fanaticism and rivalry between pizza, um, you know, pizza restaurants and their respective fans was pretty crazy. But uh, it, I, I pretty quickly found out that it's it's nothing compared to what I've seen in the barbecue world. So that, that's been a lot of fun for me. Yeah, few rival the passion that barbecue elicits. So. From a personal interest level, uh, aside from what you're doing with Dreamland, do you have a particular affinity for live fire? Will we be catching you barbecuing at home and stuff like this, or not so much? Oh, man, if, if they let me um, near those pits in the restaurant, uh, that would be the, the, the day HR hands me my papers. I would, uh, I, w- I, would, I would burn all of the ribs. But, um, no, no, I, I, I enjoy cooking. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just not good at it. But, uh you know, the one of the things that we hear pretty often, um, you know, just touching on your your, uh, you know, the, the the affinity for for fire and smoke. You know, the the, the pits, uh, the 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 smell and uh, aroma and, and the smoke that um, you know our pits emit at each of our locations is is often um, you know uh, one of the biggest draws for for people who were um, you know um, around the restaurants. So. Um, I'm obviously a fan as well, and um, you know, 
clothes off and come home smelling like that uh, hickory um, that hickory wood, but uh, I'll, I'll take that smell all day. So no worries on my end. Jonathan Bird joining me, uh, Director of Marketing for Dreamland Barbecue. The website dreamlandbbq.com if you want to check it out. Um, so let's go ahead and back out for a second, Jonathan, if you can give us a, a fairly brief history on Dreamland Barbecue and how Big Daddy was actually able to get it up and running and how he started down its road of success initially. Sure. Yeah, it's a lot of history, uh, and I'll, I'll do my best to, to you know, make it, make it fairly brief. But, uh, you know, John, uh, Big Daddy, as we call him, Bishop, was born in Tuscaloosa in 1921. Uh, he actually spent much of his early years as a brick mason. Um, but, you know, over time he decided he wanted to start his own business with his family um, and his community. Um, he purchased some property in a neighborhood called Jerusalem Heights uh, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, the business he initially wanted to open um, was, was actually a mortuary. Uh, mortuary. Oh. So, um, you know, obviously, <laughs> obviously that changed. Uh, and we're glad it did. Um, but I think the thing that's really cool is, is the story we have. And um, that story is is the reason, um, you know, we're, we're a barbecue restaurant rather than a, than a mortuary today. Uh, so Mr. Bishop purchased that property in that neighborhood of Tuscaloosa. And he said that one day while he's walking the property, um, trying to make sure that, you know, that's, that's what he wanted to do. That was the business he, he wanted to open. Uh, you know, God whispered in his ear and, and told him uh, he needed to open up a restaurant instead and uh, to do it right on that property that um, he purchased that sat right in front of his home. Um, after being told that a few times, he got with his family, uh, his wife, his, uh, wife Miss Lily, and, uh, you know, that he did the advice. Uh, so uh, basically, he friends and family members, and they built that restaurant um, themselves, uh, opened the doors in 1958, and uh, called it Dreamland. So um, they initially sold everything from fried fish to hamburgers and, you know, obviously the ribs. Um, the ribs were obviously the start of the, uh, the, the, star of the show. Uh, word about them got out uh, to, you know, Tuscaloosa residents and um, at the Alabama football coaching staff. And, you know, they would bring in their friends who were in town with recruits um, anytime they visited. Um, those friends would bring friends every time they visited. So the whole thing um, just really quickly snowballed, to be honest. And um, soon they had lines out the door for, for, for the ribs, and they had to whittle down that menu pretty quickly. Um, so, um, you know, pretty much from the, from the get-go, um, you know, within a couple years of opening, um, the menu was down to just ribs. A bag of chips and then um, bread and uh, white bread served with our barbecue sauce, um, you know, which we still do today. It's one of the things we're known for. From a seasonings perspective and a preparation, uh, from what I've read, it's a very simple process. Maybe only salt on those ribs. I'm sorry, I didn't catch the very last part of your your, your comment. Uh, I said, I from what I was reading from a seasoning and preparation standpoint, it was all pretty simple, including maybe just salt on the ribs and nothing else. Right, yeah, we can't give away everything, but it is a simple process. Um, you know, we're not low and slow. We do we do everything over and over an open flame hickory uh hickory wood fired pit. Um and you know, we've been around for over sixty years now, but um, you know, the the techniques that Mr. Bishop and, and his wife, Miss Lily and, and their family developed, um, you know, we, we still do the same thing today. 
So I'm asking you to speculate here, of course, but how do you think that John would have reacted to being inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame last week? You know, I, I haven't, you know, Mr. Bishop passed away in 1997. I think I would have been about 10 at the time. Um, so I, I didn't really get a chance to, to meet him. But, um, you know, the excitement of that nomination um, or that, that you know, um, impending in, in induction is, has generated. Um, you know, his family is, uh, is, is super excited. So I guess to answer your question, uh, I'll just draw from a conversation I had with um, his, his daughter, um, Jeanette, who's still around today. Um, so if you've seen pictures of uh, Mr. Bishop, you'll, you'll know that he's a, a large guy. He's known for being quiet and humble. But Jeanette, whenever she talked about how she thought he would feel, um, you know, she, she mentioned um, how her father was viewed as a tough guy, uh, you know, not a man of, of a lot of words. Mm-hmm. But she said behind the scenes that he was, um, you know, anytime he won an award or really got any sort of critical acclaim for his restaurant, whether it was a national award, national write-up, or just like kind words from a regular he'd had for a few decades, uh, behind the scenes that, that, you know, he would, he would be reduced to tears. Hmm. So, um, you know, that I, I can't imagine um, knowing that, that, you know, this, this sort of honor would, would be any, any exception, um, to, to that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm positive. He'd be proud. I can tell you, um, his family is incredibly proud. Um, we as a company are proud. Tuscaloosa as a city is proud and, um, you know, the, you know, just, just really, um, all of our fans and, and fans of Alabama barbecue are, are proud. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're very, very excited. Is there a plan in place at this point to have somebody from dreamland go down and accept or, or be inducted on his behalf? Oh, uh, you know, we haven't discussed it specifically. This is all fresh, but, um, I don't know. We might have to rent a bus or something from, from what it sounds like. As excited as <laughs> Big is. crowd going down, so right? That, uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll have some sort of representation there. Um, you know, again, it's, it's just such a huge honor and, um, I, I know his family is fired up and, and, and ready to go. Um, I, I, I get a text message, uh, you know, every other, uh, other day from his daughter asking if it, they're, any more details that have been released, you know, as far as the, the, the time and, and, uh, you know, just sort of all the specifics for, for the event. So we'll, we'll be there for sure. So aside from that flagship location in Tuscaloosa, I know there was a decent amount of growth over the years and, uh, you know, the current CEO, I think her father was the, the first one to take a, an additional location outside of Tuscaloosa and, and the growth maybe spawned from there, but how many locations are currently under the yes, dreamland umbrella absolutely so um you know we we just had that one location in tuscaloosa um for for you know a couple you know a little over three decades um one of uh dreamland's many fans was a man uh by the name of dr bobby underwood who we call around the you know dreamland uh, we, we we call him doc um he actually passed away a couple of years ago but um he actually developed a friendship with Mr. Bishop, and uh, knowing Mr. Bishop took pride in his in his ribs and and his product and his his brand. Um, you know, um, Doctor Underwood um, kind of worked. You know, asked him if 
if uh, he'd be interested in, in kind of sharing that that joy that he spread, uh, you know, to, to other markets. Um, so with Mr. Bishop's blessing, he, uh, Dr. Underwood and his family, um, opened up our second location in 1993 in Birmingham, um, soon after we opened up in Mobile, Alabama, <laughs> then Roswell, Georgia, which is North Metro Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and, and now we, we've got 10 locations today. So uh, our CEO is actually the daughter of, um, of Dr. Bobby Underwood. So, um, you know, we, while we've grown, we still have that small, almost family-run business type of feel, just, you know, given the ties that we have to um, the restaurant historically, you know, just at, at the highest levels of, of, of our organization. Is there a continued look to grow or is 10 the right number at this point? Oh, you know, uh, I think like anything else, it all depends on, on the opportunity. Um, you know, uh, we don't want to grow for the sake of growing. Uh, we want to make sure that we're taking care of all of our guests and in, in, in our markets, um, you know, first. And so that's our focus every day and always will be. Um, and, you know, we, 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 uh, we, we often um, get requests to, to expand, but obviously, um, you know, we, we want to do right by Mr. Bishop and, and his family and, and Dr. Underwood and, um, you know, all of our employees and, and, uh, and, and fans across the state and the country um, and make sure that when we do expand, we'll, you know, we can we can put out something that that uh, that everyone's proud of. Uh, we are talking with Jonathan Bird, who is the director of marketing for Dreamland Barbecue, and he's giving us a little bit of a history lesson on John Big Daddy Bishop, who was just recently inducted in the 2019 Barbecue Hall of Fame, along with Wayne Monk and CB Stubbs Stubblefield. Uh, Jonathan, uh, there's also a, a fairly large online uh, consumer presence as well. So if you can't get down to Tuscaloosa for ribs or some other stuff, you can go online and actually have those shipped across the country. That's absolutely right. Yep. We sell our ribs and our barbecue sauce, which are our two heavy hitters. Um, we've got one barbecue sauce. We've kind of got the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. Yep. So um, again, one of the same recipes, Mr. De- uh, Bishop and his family developed a, uh, you know, over six decades ago. Uh, we also sell the general uh, miscellaneous swag, a um, few other food items. So, uh, yeah, best way to find out what we have is to check it out. So, All right, and that website is dreamlandbbq.com. Check it out, see what you like. If you want some of those famous ribs, order them up, and they will send them your way. And, again, we're talking with Jonathan Bird, the director of marketing for Dreamland Barbecue. Jonathan, really appreciate the time tonight and uh, helping us get to know Mr. Bishop a little bit better. Yeah, thanks for having us. We'll uh, see you in uh, Kansas City, hopefully. All right, hopefully we'll do that. There he is, Jonathan Bird from Dreamland. And that is one of the three inductees into this year's Hall of Fame, John Big Daddy Bishop. Tuscaloosa is the original location, right? That's right. Hopefully we'll see you in Kansas City. Jonathan? I know you don't know the show very well, but there is a one, 2% chance that you'll see me at the American Royal this year. And this year continues to be the worst. I mean, this this is the last of the worst years, I would say. But, yeah, uh, to say that you'll see me at the American Royal this year, uh, 
is probably one of the biggest stretches ever. Next year, way more likely. This year, not that likely. That's right. Like I said, doesn't know the show, but spent a lot of time here telling us about John and the growth and all that stuff. So, World Foods. Come on, man. World Foods. I don't travel anywhere. If World Foods wants me, you'll come to Cleveland. All the way back in the first hour, as we wrap up, we had first Tuesday of the month guest Malcolm Reed from How to Barbecue Right. We also had first Tuesday of the month guest Sam, the cooking guy. How to BBQRight.com, thecookingguy.com, respectively. Both have uh, and or are approaching a million subscribers on YouTube. Hey, you two, how about helping this guy out? Second hour, Lee and Michael Quisenberry, jimquisenberry.com, the website, talking about his dad, who was on the final nine of uh, which three made the 2019 Hall of Fame, telling us about his dad and how he got started in the 80s and how it was a wild west. And we closed it out with Jonathan Bird from Dreamland Barbecue as he talked to us about one of the three new 2019 inductees, John Big Daddy Bishop, the Dreamland founder. Big show planned for you next week. That's the third, so I think, actually, Stephen Reichlin is out of town all month. But maybe we'll get his assistant, Nancy Lowski, and we can talk about smoked cheese. We'll see. Other big-name guests all ready to go. Maybe we can get more Hall of Fame interviews. We'll see. September 11, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.